Welcome back to another hour of Scotch Hour. I'm Noah. And I'm Jesse. And, and we've got a special guest this week. Hi, I'm Debbie, Noah's mom, and Jesse's adopted mom. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this uh, tonight I think we have a pretty good episode of 100, 124. 124. Uh, we have the uh, Arbeg Smoldering. Heavy Vapor. Heavy Vapor. Oh, see, I think it's smoldering. <laughs> <laughs> heavy Vapors. And then from there we have our shout-outs to Get It Together, followed by our restaurant review, which is Burnt End Barbecue, which I guess this uh, scotch will go well with that, huh? Oh, I think and then our... Uh, <laughs> Get it together, which is uh, or not get it together, but our our uh, smarter challenge being the movie movie review of Mission Impossible: uh, Dead Reckoning. Scotch review. Well, you know we've had several scotches. We were going to do the ass keg. Uh, eight year, I believe it was, but we changed things up because of our special guest this week. So we have decided to go with this Ardbeg Heavy Vapors, the ultimate Isla single malt scotch whiskey. It is non chill filtered. Heavy vapors will rise 46% alcohol by volume. Uh, and the story, and we've gone through a lot of the history with Ardbeg and some of the uh, legal actions taken in the past because Lafroig and Ardbeg and Lagavulin all were going for a similar flavored scotch, and Lafroig is reputed to have gone after trying to uh, really steal their flavor and vice versa. Um, but as we've seen in late, Ardbeg, uh, and I'm sure this will be no exception, has done some pretty different things, not staying true to the mainstream or in any way, shape, or form replicate a Lagavulin, a Lafroig, or any other Isla single malt scotch whiskey. So a, a missing purifier, a dram forsaken, heavy vapors will rise. Things just got heavy in the adverse. Man, something weird is going down in the distillery. The legendary purifier responsible for Ardbeg's exalted balance is nowhere to be seen and this whiskey is the consequence the harmony between peat and floral and that's going to be interesting fruitiness has been disrupted what have rises are the untamed darker flavors and notes gathering and filling the senses it is an ominous dram of a dramatic aromatic pungency pungent uh, sometimes i use that word usually never in a good sense <laughs> right <laughs> oh man uh, intimidating uh pals of smoke loom large with a lingering man cloying sweetness we've got some big words on here <laughs> i don't know that most americans know the definition of half of these uh, a burst of bitterness surges disturbing ashy cold dust and casting a haze of cardamom mentholic eucalyptus rolls in 
describing the fruit and floral notes usually found at the heart of Ardbeg. In fact, this is the most full-blown Ardbeg ever. Full-blown, that's interesting. Who can restore the balance? Is there a savior of the Ardverse? Read on. Sounds like you want a superhero to show up. I think that's what they're going <laughs> for. This is our this is our, our single malt scotch superhero. And what do you think? What do you think of the box? I like it. I like it. It's kind of you know white, and I I like it. It's kind of like a smoky, like smoke kind of going through the air and stuff. Yeah. Is this like going after like some sort of anime thing? You think? I don't know. I was trying to figure out, like, if it's, like, a woman in wintertime wearing a hat, or is that her hair, like, kind of grayish? Uh, that, that's her hair. Like, they're going full-blown, like. <laughs> so, she, like, uh, kind of, like, looks like she's, like, out in a windy, smoky, campfire thing going on here, or what? It just says, Agent 46, triple, or a.k.a. Jackie. <laughs> aging 46, does that mean that she's aging? She's 46. She has this white flowing hair. 46 is because it's 46 ABV. <laughs> oh. Agent 46, aka Jackie. Oh, man. So it's, so she's kind of like a super, uh, like a secret agent? It looks like it. All right. In the year 2023, in the plane dimension known as Planet Ardbeg, say all will be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. I mean, Ardbeg has gotten a little bit playful with some of their with some of their stuff. So uh, we had uh, which one was it? The uh, uh, Ardbeg Ardcore with like the kind of punk kind of like theme to it. Ardcore was good, and the Ardbeg 19 year was amazing. And then they got the one with like the UFO and the spaceship. Yeah, I just wish that one had a box. If it had a box, I'd have bought it a long time ago. I hate, hate Ardbeg that you did not put that in a tin or a box. Well, I guess uh, any kind of history you want to know about Ardbeg, it's an, it is from Isla, right? Um, so I guess you go visit one of our previous episodes where we did review the. Uh, the Ardbeg Ardcore, the, uh, the 19, the 10, the Ugadal, and the Cory Beckin. So yeah. any one of those, uh, you can go revisit those if you want to know a little bit more history about it. Uh, Tours-wise, um, it is uh, you can get a tour there. They do it on seven days a week, um, and that is approximately 15, uh, 52 U.S. dollars. And um, you can also just do the quick tour type thing where you just go and do the tastings. Long tour. Long Definitely tour. there for the long tour. All right, I guess is it time to unveil? I think it is time to unveil. So as Noah mentioned, this is an Isla single malt scotch. Um, Isla there off the east coast of uh, Scotland. And this is on the east coast of the island. Um, Ardbeg, Lagavulin, Lafroig, all on the southeast edge of Isla. And I gotta say, the, the bottle does look reminiscent of most Ardbeg bottles. Very traditional with some great copper hints. 
The topper is a little bit different, though. It's usually the black with uh, the embroidered stuff or the whatever. Yes, they have gone with a copper top as opposed to that more traditional plastic black one. And uh, this is foil for a change as well. It is not plastic. I like all. how the bottle... Um, a does an accessory with the box i mean everything just kind of ties in really nice very well yeah even the back label yeah is there more to the story on the back label or is it the same thing uncharted territory in the smallest goddamn words you can find <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we're gonna blow this shit up <laughs> roll, roll. <laughs> all right it is said that the merest whiff of classic Ardbeg transport you to another time and place however the aroma of this formidable smoky malt takes you to another dimension altogether for it answers the impossible question how would Arbeg be without the pivotal influence of its legendary purifier? You're about to find out, for this dram is the most full-blown Ardbeg ever. Take a deep breath, then a sip, and follow Agent 46 into the Ardverse through the QR portal above. Oh, so there's an additional story that you had to take with the QR code. Interesting. There is. So wasn't there like another scotch that we did not too long ago where you had to take like a, a link to go see something else on it? Uh, all of the Diageo limited edition ones had a different piece where you could access it. All right. Ready to break into this? Yep. All right. Let's go on an adventure. That's right. To the Ardverse. With Agent 46. Yeah. Hopefully she's hot. <laughs> Isn't that what Vanessa Kirby's for? Mission Impossible. I don't think this is her hair. I think so. I don't think so. My eyes aren't that bad. She has short hair. <laughs> That's her hair. Or a wig. <laughs> <laughs> That's her hair. <laughs> Where do you see that? She has short hair. Oh, that's her long hair. That's like, oh, it's either gray or it's like ash. No. Yeah. See, I am only 21. And she's wearing clogs. How do you know it's a she? Damn. Wow. It could be a. Well, this a is Scott. not a Bud Light. <laughs> Yeah, it's not Amen. <laughs> All right. Well, here we are. We're about to go to warp speed, test out, give this thing a uh, a launch to the Ardverse, and we'll be back to let you know how it fares. All right. Cheers. All right, cheers. Cheers.
So with Agent uh, Forty Six, get ready to go into the Ardberg Ar- Ardberg verse, right? Ar- Ar- Ardverse is what is it? What is it called? Ardverse. Ardverse. Okay. Ardverse. Ardverse. Uh, I will say that uh, it is a quite a trip. I I've uh, actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, as for the color, uh, I got the wrong glass up right now, but anyways, my other one's empty. But uh, it's uh, I have like a as a light golden. Just like a light golden color, which uh, is really nice and pleasant to the to the sight. Uh, Jesse might call it sun kiss blonde, or maybe. Uh, but, We're going straight platinum blonde on uh, this one. I'm going straight platinum. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it, so I gave it uh, five out of five points. Uh, the packaging here, I struggle once again because this is a really intricate package. Uh, the box is phenomenal. A lot of great things going on on the box. And usually I complain about like when there's too much going on on a box, saying like it's too busy. But this one is almost like uh, almost like a comic book story going on or something on that like that. Or and I think that's why like the busyness of this one doesn't really seem to bother me. But the bottle itself is great with the nice green and the copper tones and stuff like that. I, I really do enjoy it. Although a drawback, uh, plastic top. Uh, I can't remember. It was a press cork. Solid cork. Solid cork. Okay. So uh, to hold true to myself, I did give it four out of five. Usually, like I said, I give my five to like the ones that have like a really intricate like box set up. Uh, as you can see, probably like, right behind uh, Jesse with the King Alexander or even the Glenfiddich uh, Grand Reserva or Grand Crew. <laughs> so those would those would be like my five levels. So here, if I give like four point five, I give four point five, but we don't give half points. The aroma. So here, um, the aroma has actually uh, developed over over time, and uh, but my initial notes were that I have earthy tones with charred oak, peach, uh, eucalyptus. And with small whiffs of saline. And I really enjoyed it. I, this actually got my highest points right here. And I gave it 28 out of 30. So I really did enjoy the aroma. Now the palette uh, was actually very excellent as well. Here I got chocolate mint with apples and charred honey. Uh, so Depending on like which glass I go with, if I go with the sifter or or the highball glass, uh, the, the flavor profile does change up a little bit. Um, but the honey is what I first like the honey sweetness of that charred honey. Uh, that's uh, kind of like burnt honey or whatever, but it has like a slight burnt sweetness to it. That's the first thing that hits my tip of my tongue, and then it goes into the chocolate mint and some apples, and then as it goes into my back palate. Here, the deep throat, the deep throat, yeah. <laughs> Here, I'm getting like a coffee with mint, uh, with uh, smoldering wood. So, because I think this is where you kind of get that smokiness, uh, or like the smoky peep up at smoldering wood because it seemed more like that to me. With uh, uh, with a hint of like peppermint and a lingering uh, eucalyptus that leaves your mouth clean and uh. And fresh. Uh, so with the palette, I gave that 27 out of 30. And the finish, I gave it 27 out of 30 for a grand total of 91. 
he's laughing but i'm guessing we must have hit pretty close pretty close really close really close all right okay so i'm new to this so if i um kind of struggle please forgive me and um just hang in there with me so when i first smelled it it uh was really kind of spicy for me and i couldn't have first describe what that spiciness smell was it gave a tingle to my nose and um i got the smell of peat and moss and um the hint of leather and i love the smell of leather so it was like really not like overpowering but it was just enough leather that just made me want to just continue to smell it and um so the aroma was just really awesome for me and i gave that a 30 out of 30 uh the color um this color was beautiful it's it's light it's almost like a um like a I don't know, like um, almost a, a yellow tinge of a Chardonnay, really light, real pale, pale um, yellow, golden. So it was beautiful. And I gave that five out of five. The packaging, I love the packaging. I love, um, it's almost like an Art Deco to me. So I love Art Deco. And for me, I gave that a five out of five. Uh, the palette for me, I got a hint of, of, again, the leather, and um, there was um, apple and uh, a smokiness in there. Again, the peat and the finish, it was, um, the best way I can kind of describe it is when you finish brushing your teeth and you, you rinse your mouth out with the mouthwash, you have that fresh, minty fill in your mouth, and... Um, it was like a spearmint, a clean spearmint in the back of the of the throat, and it was just clean and crisp and just really really nice. So I gave that twenty out of thirty. So with a grand total of eighty. It was definitely a surprise. It is definitely a surprise, a pleasant surprise. And the best way I can go about trying to describe this scotch today is by using real life examples that I didn't get to experience in my life. <laughs> the first one I will say is with the presentation. I mean, I can read the words on the box. I can barely read these little baby words on the bottle. Somehow they got a three paragraph essay on the back of this bottle. And that was, it was very difficult for me to read. Box, not so much. Bottle, pretty tough. With that though, um, I love the bottle. I do wish they would have used wood because we always want to see that next level um, craftsmanship. However, they've got the Ard Bag A in there. And I love that. It's embossed. It's real cork. They have DV from their traditional black uh, black plastic cap um, foil if you will uh, and this one is actually a foil foil and I love that as well um, Debbie brought up the fact that the bottle and the box on a shelf next to each other 
look phenomenal front and back. I love that, but I think what I love most about this packaging with the box is the fact that it does tell an entire story that Ardbeg, even though I couldn't figure out the month and date thing with the birthday, has a whole story online. Go check it out around Agent 46, trying to figure out about the missing purifier. I really appreciate that. So for me, packaging, and this is a rare one. I've only done this once other on something that wasn't so um, extreme. Um, nothing else has gotten best uh, of a four, this will get a five from me just because I love what they've done to bring in a diverse um, age group, something from the young to the mature. I love that different generations together can appreciate this packaging. And so for that presentation does get a five out of five for me, the color. And this is part of what I mean about uh, experiencing something that I don't get and never will and have experienced in my own lifetime um, is because she passed away in 1962. This color to me is Marilyn Monroe blonde. It is that platinum blonde that is so exquisite. It's on the cover of every magazine of its time. It is beautiful and you know every guy is oogling at it. Uh, we've got the big eyes enjoying <laughs> this scotch. As far as the whole tail beyond that and the color is a five, right? Marilyn Monroe, we're not going to say a Kennedy had her killed but you know she died too soon. Um, some different controversies with that uh, but definitely a five for the color. The story. Now, this is a story I think that we can paint pretty cleverly. It's too bad there, and we don't have a Monet or a Picasso here to do it for us. Now, this scotch is that scotch that you want to take on that uh, dream road trip where you're going to that foreign beach. Uh, maybe it's in Italy, maybe it's in France, more likely it's in Greece, and you've got white sands and the perfect date, and you are bringing this gosh to sip, and it's not hot. Even though it's bright, it's white, it's sunny, it is the perfect temperature. You're not sweating your balls off, so to speak. You are enjoying every moment of this beach. And with that, man, the nose. I'm with you on the nose, Noah. This is a strength of it. It was not my highest score. The nose, smoke, leather, seaside water. Again, perfect for that day trip with a love of your life. Mmm, the sea water, uh, dark chocolate, um, but not so much dark chocolate as bitter sweet chocolate. Um, man, there's a lot going on there, but for me, the 27 nose was bested by the 28 palette. <laughs> Again, here, that it is so profound how you I questioned in the nose is it dark chocolate is it bittersweet chocolate on the palate it is absolutely no questions asked sea salt brine salty bittersweet chocolate a hint of dark almost burnt coffee uh, a little taste of cinnamon to give some spice mm. the brine kicks off the eucalyptus and some herbal mint 
and ah, man that 28 palette is followed very closely by a 27 finish um the finish is long it is bold but it is not offensive um this is that point where you got to the beach early to watch the sun rise you had one dram <laughs> watched the sun rise, um, went on a hike, enjoyed the day, um, came back. Maybe you went and got your own catch of the day, or maybe you just paid someone else who made your catch of the day. You're having some uh, lobster butter and foil over that campfire. It comes out perfectly. And again, this scotch, that smoldering wood um, flavor uh, perfectly pairs with this wonderful sea side feast and it's not giant because you're too busy enjoying every moment of this experience it is brilliant and to think that they got this by not purifying it uh, great experience I am sure it'll follow with the purified version so you can compare and contrast if not you should are big you heard it here first just send scotch hour three bottles for the three people who <laughs> talked about it on this show uh, my overall score a 92 it was hard to only give this scotch a 92 there are other reasons it only gets a 92 um, but it is that perfect date scotch and as you're winding down that day watching the sunrise having your catch of the day after a wonderful hike and you're just laying on the beach the sun has set the moon has risen you're enjoy enjoying one dram and there is no better way to finish off a night. It is a full experience in this bottle. Not many scotches we have had. Would I say that about this is one. It is a win. So really the uh, difference right here is uh, the box, the presentation. Of <laughs> <laughs> where and I held you to myself keeping it as a four. You gave it a five. That was our only point difference. And the only difference for me was I really appreciated um, a generational difference where I have no doubt this is popular with the, you know, the kids like two, three years younger than us, the 21 year olds, but it's also popular with us and then parents. And I love the fact that multiple generations can enjoy either the artistic appeal or I'm drawn in by the story. Like I want to know more. Actually, I'm drawn <laughs> in by the story too. And uh, I kind of forgot about that. So, yeah, like taking that into account, I think with that extra added effort, that, that probably does deserve that extra point of being a You five. know, not to sound, um, not to date myself, but when I was a kid, my dad always used to say. So five years ago when this, you were a kid. Right. The, my, my dad used to say the stars are out tonight, referring to Marilyn Monroe yeah. when he, when the stars came out at night. Marilyn Monroe. So when you were talking about the beach and this, you know, being out there, it brought my dad to mind. Marilyn Monroe when you said that. So awesome. That was a great um, metaphor. Oh, I meant it. There are a few things in life we get to enjoy where we want to live in the moment. And this scotch is 100% one of those. And I think 
Marilyn Monroe, again, it's a tragedy. She she was, you know, she died so long ago. It's, you know, I'm like 30 years old-ish, and she was, you know, would have been 100, but whatever. <laughs> but it is one of those things where she embodied something so great, had such a huge presence, and that's what this scotch does. Would I take this to a black tie affair? Absolutely. Um, and I would have to make sure I was bringing in the fanfare with it. So whether it's a cummerbund and bow tie that's shining, starring, matching, contrasting, or other accents, um, black tie, yes, game night. Man, they better enjoy scotch than game night, yes. It's not cheap. I think it was right around 130 a bottle right now. Um, uh, a place on my shelf, absolutely something to share with loved ones when they come to town. Oh, well, thank you. So, yeah, I, didn't, I forgot to say that as well. Would I take a black tie affair? Definitely, I would. Game night? No, I would not. <laughs> uh, I think it's more for special occasions rather than a game night. This is one I more would rather hoard than uh, to take it to like just a regular old game night. Now, if it's a bunch of like scotch connoisseurs, then like that type of game night, then sure. Then it would be kind of fun to do that. But on the shelf, definitely I think it deserves a spot on the shelf. Um, definitely not a black tie. I mean, I would take it to a black tie, (laughs) but not to game night. I know because I go to game night every Friday night, so definitely not to the game nights that I go to. Um, and to to a barbecue, no, I would not do that. (laughs) Um, I would have to do it in a more um, intimate, um, environment with just a few very close friends that we were just going to you know just chill for the night and stuff that way we could really um enjoy this bottle of scotch i mean you don't want to share it with joe blow yeah maybe jack joe black but not joe blow yeah with joe uh, joe black you you know you got to be careful with him because you get you get a die when he's around (laughs) (laughs) okay so there you are it's time for our shout outs i got one quick shout out um to all the parents and kids out there through who go through the easy times and the hard times, but still have the faith in each other to share their words. And Mila, this goes out to you uh, having a difficult conversation with me. I'm glad you did. And I will never regret it. And I hope you know how proud I am of you and everything you do. And uh, Mila, cheers. Uh, never... Never compromise your values. Any shout outs for you? Shout outs. Yes, I do. Um, I flew in to Denver here on Wednesday and my youngest son, Adam, put me up at his place and I just think that was wonderful. He threw a, a wonderful barbecue for me. So he has been a great host. Jesse has opened his home to me. Um, invited me on the show both of you and i appreciate that so um all three of my boys i love you immensely and i'm so very proud of each one of you so thank you absolutely thank you 
my shout out this week goes to the creators of what we do in the shadows. The oh no! Season, There's the a new season, season out. The new season just came out on Friday, and uh, it was a pretty great start with uh, Guillermo getting his uh, his friend uh, that was kind of like I don't know, he, who turned into a vampire, but he's like a really terrible vampire. And it's pretty funny. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah, it looks like it'll be another fun season. Excellent. All right, this week's restaurant, Burnt End Barbecue. And this is in, it's considered Centennial, Colorado? Uh, I just know, they just listed as DTC. Denver oh, Tech uh, Center. Greenwood Village. Actually. Greenwood Village, Colorado. So, uh, man, uh, interesting little barbecue spot that caught Noah's eye with some rave reviews. Uh, Noah, what did you think? Well, first off, when we got there, um, you kind of—I think you kind of have to know where you're going, <laughs> <laughs> or at least you definitely use your GPS uh, to get there. Uh, it's not like a, a through fare that I would normally drive through or go by, but uh, it is in a nice—I guess like a nice little area there, uh, in a kind of like, I think I want to say like part business park, part neighborhood ish, uh, but. The actual restaurant itself, the way it's set up, it has you know a bunch of TVs on with sports on there, so you can definitely have a sit down place to you know watch uh, watch a game or hang out with some buddies. Um, this came up on my radar because of uh, Buff Stampede. Uh, we have a a group, uh, I guess, forum for CU football and stuff, and uh, one of our threads in there had to do with barbecue restaurants, and this is one of the barbecue restaurants that was mentioned in there. And supposedly, uh, one person mentioned how it had a, like, a really great uh, happy hour. So I'm like, all right, well, that'd be, you know, maybe that might be a place for us to go to. Uh, but the happy hour I learned, I, I found out when I was there, is only on Friday. So if you do want to go there and get a deal on your beer, uh, they have $3 pints on Fridays. Although the manager, and shout out to him, I don't know what his name was, but he said that he would honor the $3 after I showed him our the, the, the thread. So, uh, And they had uh, basically uh, some Breckenridge Brewery on tap there, three different types of Breckenridge Brewery and some other beers on tap. Um, the place seemed, for a barbecue place, it seemed fairly clean. Uh, the sauces, uh, they had four different types of sauces there. Uh, my, they had the original, uh, I would say it was a, like a honey sweet. Is that what it was? Uh, sweet honey? Yeah, sweet honey. And then there was... Um, Chipotle and Southwest Spicy. Spicy, yeah. My favorite out of the bunch was the Chipotle. Uh, I don't know exactly the name of the dish that I got, but it's a, it's a one meat <laughs> platter with uh, two sides. Because uh, when I went up there to order my food... I think I it's literally like, just called the brisket platter with two sides. Is that what it's I like? I think so, like literally. I didn't even see it on the menu up there. <laughs> but anyways, I just told the guy what I wanted, so he like rung it up. And uh, the Chipotle barbecue sauce went great with the uh, brisket. Uh, then I got their baked beans and uh, loaded, uh, I thought I said loaded mashed potatoes, but it wasn't, it wasn't really seem like mashed potatoes as much as like chunky potatoes. And that was great too. Um for a barbecue place, I really liked it. Uh, I used to like uh, in the in the area that we live in. Live in, um, 
I was always kind of a fan of Brothers Barbecue, but just driving like probably about like another mile, like another like couple miles down the road, you go to this place, and I think Burnt End uh, was actually a little bit better than Brothers Barbecue. And uh, they also have beers on draft there, where the the location where we live by, his brothers took those took their beers off the draft, and you can buy cans there now. So, um, would I take a date there? Not unless she really likes barbecue, but probably not. It's not a place I'd go there, unless it's maybe like on a way stopping off to go do something like go check out like a concert or something like that. Uh, when I meet a friend there, definitely I would. Um, it is like kind of like a lower middle, I guess. Not quite fast food, but it's not quite like medium sit down. So I put it like lower middle. And uh, the food I thought was great. I really enjoyed my food, so I'll give that a nine out of ten. Uh, the service I thought was pretty good, especially with the manager, you know, honoring that three dollar pints. So I'm gonna give that nine out of ten. Uh, the atmosphere there. Um. It's kind of really hard to tell because we were there kind of early, so I don't know like how how it gets when it gets busy there. So I can give that like a, an eight, maybe. So, but I guess overall, um, I enjoyed it for like the lower middle type of tier. So I'm gonna give it nine out of ten total. All right. Okay, so I had the whole hog platter. It had sausage, ham, and pulled pork. I had the um, sweet and spicy sauce, and that was paired perfectly with <laughs> all three items that I had. I also had the coleslaw. Um, coleslaw was mediocre, um, to say the least. Uh, the potato, um, the mashed potatoes were chunky. Um, they were hot, I have to admit. They were chunky, and there was um, bacon bits in there that made it kind of chewy and um, cheese. All in all, um, it was a decent meal. Um, would I take a date there? That would depend on what we had planned for the day. Um, I would not go there at night, probably for a lunch. Um, so, um, if I were going to go like, oh, if Denver had a beach, I'd probably hit that in the, in the afternoon for a lunch, um, or maybe, um, pick up stuff there for a picnic up in the mountains. Um, but as far as going there for a dinner date, no, I would not. Um... What's the scale again? Just uh, five out of ten, ten out of yeah, ten out Look of ten. Look at service value, atmosphere. The service was great. I thought the service was great. The uh, restaurant was very clean. Um, the staff was very friendly. Um, ev they had everything available, so you didn't really have to ask for, you know, silverware or anything like that. Um, so, I thought the restaurant itself um, was decent, so I would give it like a 4.5 out of 5. So, out of 10, probably a, a 9. So, all right. 
All right. So for me, I had the cowboy tacos and your new BFF. We're not talking about a best friend forever. We're talking about best freaking fries. What I will say is the cowboy tacos three come in this taco pairing. Uh, and for $16.99, it was great. You get a pork carnitas, a burnt ends, and a brisket taco. The pork carnitas has pickled red onions, fried jalapenos, a little cheese, pico, and cilantro delicious i didn't add sauce didn't need to the meat was perfect uh the burnt ends came with some avocado cream some pico uh, cilantro fried jalapenos cheese and some spicy tortilla strips same thing i didn't add sauce i didn't need to the tortilla was perfect the meat was perfect all of the toppings were fantastic uh, finally the brisket came with corn salsa which i loved the corn salsa uh, fried jalapenos onion straws cheese cilantro and chipotle barbecue sauce i didn't have to add sauce they'd already added your chipotle and obviously they know the same thing you do that chipotle goes bomb with the brisket as far as food goes even and i should say especially for 16.99 um these tacos were a 10 out of 10. I won't say that very often. They were perfect. Now, we're going to get to your BFF or what was supposed to be my best freaking fries. They were just all right. Just all right. <laughs> Not my best friend forever. Um, and with the fries, they come loaded with uh, burnt and cheesy fries, uh, different cheeses, bacon, green onions, and ranch. I think the biggest deterrent here was the bacon i just when i get uh fries loaded fries or loaded tots i don't mind bacon but it was i'm gonna use the term chewy it was work to consume when that's not what i'm used to I'm used to being able to devour these things, and that was not the case. It went from, you know, it was a, it was an adverse reaction <laughs> to the multiple distractions in my mouth between the fries and the bacon and everything else. Um, and and, and I, I wish I wouldn't have gotten them because I would have loved to have given a, a perfect score for food, but the fries were a six. So all together, the food's right sitting there in between at an eight. The environment I thought was very interesting. We're talking about one of those middle environments where it's not high end. You are not even thinking about dressing up nice and going there if you already dressed up nice you're not afraid to uh, because it is so clean that is a really valid point i felt safe there and there have been places we've gone to uh johnny holiday where i didn't because of any number of reasons but here i felt very safe i could have worn my white pants and been just fine eating bbq um but uh man overall it's not it's still not my thing so we're sitting right at that eight for an environment i do find it you know i think one thing i need to get used to for myself is that it's very common for barbecue that no one comes and takes your order you have to go order it and then they still deliver it but you're still expected to tip the same and i don't know why they're trying to save themselves that one step that is just curious to me it's one step 
And at the end, I'm like, okay, I don't mind that I tip 20%, but I only got half the work I usually get for a 20 to 25% tip. Maybe they should have aimed for that 25% tip. I don't know, maybe not. Um, but overall environment, ate the value. Okay, so my small order of fries and my three tacos, the three tacos, $16.99, every one of those tacos was worth $5.33. That was a home run, absolutely worth it. Um, the fries is where I struggle again. I had the small, and it's not that the volume was small it's just that the value wasn't quite the same because uh, the value for the tacos again just like with the food itself would have been a 10 but the value because of the fries left me wanting it did not satiate my desire for fries or tots um, so overall dropping it back to an eighth the service though everyone in there even though we had to go up to the counter to place our order was solid the service was a solid nine overall um for a mid-range restaurant, this is absolutely an eight for me. Would I intentionally go out of my way to take a date there? No. If it was in line with where I was going, and I think you mentioned this, if it's in line, I'm not going out of my way to go somewhere else. It's all great. It's just location, location, location. It does matter. And... Um, with, with the different pieces here, it's not a destination, but if I'm driving by going to the Cherry Creek Reservoir and I'm passing this place and I'm hungry, I'm like, hey, buddy, let's or hey, date, let's go stop here. So would I meet a friend there? Yes. Again, not going out of my way. Would I take a date there? Yes. Not going out of my way. Is it a destination? Not a destination. There was no, and I am going to stick to my term as far as sex appeal, something sexy makes you want to come back um, and go out of your way. This was not that. But the food, I'm telling you, if you're in town and you want those cowboy tacos, they are a 10. Overall, it is for me an 8. Um, and it, again, do not avoid it. I just wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to go it. This week's Smarter Challenge, Tom Cruise Productions. Uh, don't forget, this is episode 124. Tons of spoiler alerts. Yeah, do not let us ruin this movie for you. Although, I don't know how you cannot have had it ruined. It is all over the news. It is hot news. First five days, 78 plus million dollars. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. All right. Well... This movie comes with not something I would necessarily call a star-studded cast. But what I will say is, with their performances, every one of the people in this movie that is a star is just that. This movie, to me, was, is, done brilliantly and it made me feel a way after two hours and almost three hours, two hours and 40 plus minutes. I don't mind waiting and going back and watching another movie I hope is just as long because that two hours and 45 minutes felt like an hour and a half. Yeah, I didn't think it was, it didn't feel that long. No, it was great. 
action-packed. You mentioned the car chase scenes. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> Great humor. The way they, the directors and the writers, and I'm assuming Tom Cruise has a huge impact in this, um, the way they all worked together to bring humor and serious frightening action together between Simon Pegg and Tom Cruise or Tom Cruise and Vanessa Kirby or whoever it may be was brilliant and the acting uh man if those weren't real tears in some of these different actors eyes I wouldn't believe it I thought the interaction with each other was just phenomenal they were hitting yeah. on all 10 pistons I mean they were just like bam 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 just hitting it that is a good way to put it is the interactions between the characters seemed uh seamless well I think it comes with uh like what with most of the cast the cast uh they they've already been working on uh, multiple films together with mission impossible uh simon pegg's been around since uh mission impossible 3 uh yes. then vin right vin reams he's been around since the beginning uh and then uh, Re rebecca ferguson started off with rogue nation so uh and then vanessa kirby i think uh it wasn't uh fallout i think it was when she first started in but they've all like have been in multiple movies together so they all works together so i think that has helped them build that chemistry with each other to make the timing of the of the of the jokes and stuff like that or the funny parts just kind of really match really well with them and, and their interactions uh seem more genuine than maybe some other movies i liked um benji because Tom Cruise puts a lot of pressure on Benji, uh, unknowingly puts a lot of pressure on Benji, and Benji, you know, does his best to, you know, take care of it, and then he explodes right back onto Tom Cruise, you know, which is, it. I mean, that you have to be comfortable with a relationship in which to do that. Put that all that pressure on you, and then I put too much pressure on you, then you're going to come back right on me, and it's like, oh, okay. You know what? You're right. I put all that pressure on you. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, it's kind of, you know. I, I'm assuming you're talking about the part where Benji is uh, like, just trying to help him, like, get, get to the train. Get to yeah. the train. He's going, I'm trying. What do you expect me to do? You know, he's poor thing. You, you asked know? me to get you there. I'm getting you there. <laughs> get there to the train. Just go down that hill. <laughs> I don't think I can make it. <laughs> just jump already. <laughs> well, I think what's great about that is. Uh, you see a growth, especially if you've watched the other movies, even though you don't need to. But you see in previous movies where Tom Cruise's character, Ethan Hunt, is mentoring Simon Pegg's character, Benji Dunn. So Ethan is mentoring Benji on how to stay cool and... It's not an easy job, right? Benji struggles with this. He doesn't stay cool. And all the time, Ethan is the cool cat. He's the one who's not breaking a sweat. And Benji literally thinks he has zero stress ever. And being Rames and Ethan, um, I, at one point, so Luther and Ethan are trying to express to him, no, we're always nervous. He just can't show it. And this is one of those instances where Ethan is absolutely showing it about, I can't just, I can't get to the train. I don't think I can do this. And Simon Pegg is like, bullshit. <laughs> you are going to get to that train. You said this is what you needed. I got you here. Get to the train. And then you figure it out. Yeah, and Shut up and figure it shut out. Shut up and figure it out. And 
That is a point because that's what Ethan Hunt always tells all of his other uh, IMF agents that are working with him is, we'll fig- I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And he's just like, you figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, I, I just thought the whole thing from beginning to end was so action-packed. There was not a lull. Um, it There was not, like in some movies... Um, like Indiana Jones, that whole movie, you could have slept through it all. Um, but this one, this one just kept you involved the whole time. Going back to the whole figuring it out, right? Uh, the girl that he recruits, uh, Grace. Yes. Yeah. You know, she's like, I need details. And Benji's like, details just get in the way. Yeah, details just get in the way. <laughs> we, we find that details just get in the way here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that because I was literally laughing because I'm like, oh, my God. In so many points in life, if you have just got to get to a finish line, details will just get in the way if you have a mind that will overthink. Like, And then uh, even when he's like, I'm going to go after him. You, you go stop the train. Right. Wow. I don't know. Just figure it out. Just figure it out. <laughs> you'll figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure it figure out. Figure it out. <laughs> uh, man, so, in, if the, and it's hard for me to try to narrow this down, but if you think back at when you saw this movie, which three characters most stand out to you? Oh, I, I loved Benji. I, I love Benji. Um, I think, um, who is that, um, um, the girl who died with the sword, what's her name? Elise. Elise. Elise she, she stood out because Lisa. she, you know, she was, I don't know, it seemed to me like she really loved, um, Ethan. Ilsa she Faust. really, she really loved him. Um, so oh, yeah. that was, that was. So those two characters there, and um, I guess I would have to say Ethan. I mean, you know, he's the he's the main character. I mean, you know, but uh, everybody was really strong. It's all of the characters on there were really strong characters. They are, and that's why this is so hard. And with Ilsa Faust, I think one of those things there, um, man. I think the tough part there, Rebecca Ferguson, acting as Ilsa, you. I've only seen the movie once. But one thing I realized in this movie is, man, Tom Cruise doesn't lie to any of these women. He has always valued every one of their lives more than his own. And he says that. And he says that. And they, at first, in many of the movies where there have been an actress in more than one, they doubt it. And sometimes it's only in the one movie where they don't believe it. I think the other piece is true as well, is that he does value their life more than his own. Can I interject just something real quick yeah. here? As a woman, as a, and I'm speaking as, as a woman, a woman get, gets taken advantage of by men in all walks of life. And it's hard for a woman to, be, to believe a man when he says, your life is more important than me. And I, I I agree with you 100%. I don't think it's just women. I, I do agree with you. I think men are also taken advantage in many ways. But I think women, here's where I will say the bigger differences with women is that this movie does a really good job. 
and I believe as many women out there probably hate Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise, in my mind, will live by a very strict code, which is what has most likely made him very successful and absolutely is something that he employs and implores in his roles and his movies. With that, I think what he also exhibits in a total respect, and Tom Cruise, if I'm giving you too much credit, let me know. Give us a call on the show um, anytime. We'll revisit this any date when you see this and let us know. But I believe you're doing this intentional and you've done this with the writers, and I know you work closely with the writers and the directors, in that you are also emphasizing, and this will come in, I think, in point in the next movie, every one of these women understood their life and believed him when he said their life meant more than his. But where women are stronger is that women understand the whole better than the individual. And a woman, Rebecca Ferguson, playing Ilsa, will die to save Ethan because she knows, even though he would die to save her and she doesn't want to die, she needs him to go save the goddamn world and not just her. Yep. All right, so... Now that we went on that little sidetrack, which is a lot longer than it should have been. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what are your three favorite characters? Oh, man. For me, this is so tough. I think we have to bring in Palm Clementif, and I'm probably mispronouncing that. If I did, I ap apologize. Plays the character Paris um, as a new in-role IMF agent. Absolutely. I 100% believe she's going to be in part two as an IMF agent. And her role was brilliant. It, it was well done and it is fantastic um for me number two man how do you not continue to adore vanessa kirby as the white widow whose mom was max in the first uh mission impossible with tom cruise um and then finally yeah tom cruise continues to surround himself by such strong roles yep. but he has to be strong enough to believe in himself that he's not worried about being overshadowed and he does that every one of the actors in this movie that plays any significant role including the bad guy um and i know you know he, the character is gabriel i'm gonna butcher your name also call me to tell me another proper enunciation pronunciation si morales um brilliant like i want this guy to win at some points because i'm like you're such a badass i want to be you more than i want to be ethan <laughs> I don't, I'm not really saying that, but I'm just saying that. Who dresses cooler? Gabriel. Gabriel. He is, I have to admit, though, Gabriel is very handsome. He's a very handsome man. All right, Noah, so, you're three. Uh, so my three, uh, I'm going to go with Gabriel as one of them. I thought, he did a, he, I thought he did a great job. The backstory is kind of developed there on how Ethan got into the IMF and how they have that kind of set up. I thought that was good. Uh I, I think you gotta give it to Ethan Hunt or you know Tom Cruise, but I really don't want that to be one of my three. But knowing that he did the special, like some of the special effects himself, like jumping off the cliff himself, with the motorcycle, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. So I think you gotta give him mad props for that. Uh, but I do think um, the lady who played Grace, yes, which oh, is yeah. Haley Atwell. Yeah. Uh, most people probably know her as like Agent Carter from the Marvel series, mm -hmm. but I thought her interaction with Ethan. Uh, play off really well. Although I actually, you know, I think she did a great job. I mean, it's, that's probably like 
that's how her character needed to be but i got annoyed with her character because of the fact that like ethan kept on being like i'm trying to help you out and she kept like stabbing him in the back and kept running away so, yeah, yeah I, I agree i agree with you it was like I just oh my gosh I'm like, well fuck you then i'll just let you die dumb bitch <laughs> i was I, I got to i was the with you on that thinking the same thing yeah it was like, like Fuck, Ethan, let her die. Right. Take it's like, the key and go. Are you so weak, Ethan? <laughs> Damn, can't you see that she's screwing with you? So that's the reason. But I think because she made me feel that way. <laughs> she's she the future. I think she. I think it was done on purpose. And so that's why I'm giving her props for it. Uh, but it's like my favorite characters. Obviously, you know, I like some of the more uh, like the traditional characters in the show. It was so well done. All right. I know we're running long on time here. Well, we're doing all right. Uh, so we'll knock it down to just two favorite scenes. All right. What are your two favorite scenes? <laughs> two favorite scenes. Ouch. Um, I think my what my all-time favorite scene had has to be the car chase throughout the city and everything. Because it's like, damn, has she never driven a car or what? <laughs> I mean, because she crashes into everything. So, yeah, so that was my favorite scene. And um, I think the train, when the train was going after the explosion and everything, and all the cars were like, going down and One they're like oh my god you know you're like ah what, well what's done. going on you know you're you know you're just and they're flipping upside down and they're flying <laughs> and they're just like oh my gosh you know i gotta call bs on the second car though the food car or the kitchen car with the oil, oh, oh, the oil. i'm like there's no way a you're not gonna have any footing and b you're gonna be burnt to shit you're gonna like you're dead. Sorry. That's what I was talking to. I was I one of the was, bad guys talking during the When movie. I saw the kitchen and I saw all that oil, I'm thinking, oh, my God. I know oil. I worked in the food industry for 20-plus years. It's like you get a little oil on the floor. You're calling bullshit. Yeah, you, yeah that's like ice. Hello. But, you know, other than that, I mean, I think they really pulled off those two scenes. But I also like the airport scene, too. So. All right, my my two favorite scenes. Yes, uh, definitely we'll have to go with the uh, the latter part of the of the car chasing scene, starting with the Fiat three hundred. Oh, or I loved it! Loved it! Yeah, Fiat five hundred from the Fiat five hundred all the way to the end of that chase scene uh, it, when it crashes into the uh, underground uh, railway. Yeah, railway. So that part is like that was just hilarious. You know, just doing a bunch of spin, spinning side, you know, spinning around. And he walks out of there with the steering wheel, like yep. nonchalant. And, and you see Paris, like you can see her just having like a huge amount of fun, just like like barreling into like uh, uh, the uh, the motorcycles and going <laughs> down. Oh, runs She's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can see her laughing. Like, so that was just like it was just kind of fun. <laughs> And then the other the other one I'm I'm gonna go with is uh, is the whole air, airport scene. Um, I really enjoyed the airport scene because uh, you know you have Benji trying to go like stop a a bomb, a bomb, and then his interaction like asking questions about the puzzles and stuff like that, the riddles. Uh, then you have Ethan trying to concentrate on uh, on, on the uh, uh, Grace, who's trying to like scream at every second. 
Uh, and then you got the, you know, the... Uh, so those other agents who are trying to capture him, yeah, right? Agent, yeah, I don't know what agency that they were with. Maybe they're, I don't know if they're CIA or not, but when they're flying into the airport, the guy, and when they're on the Osprey, the guy's like, if you think you have them, don't think you have them, because make sure, like, or I forget how he states it, but he's like, make sure you put a wooden stake into his heart, yeah. and that's what you if know you If you think have you've killed him, you haven't killed him until you put a wooden stake to his heart. <laughs> right. That's exactly. So it like, basically started from like that point <laughs> all the way through the whole like uh, airport scene. I really enjoyed Well, they all work for the director. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, to your point, NSA. NSA, CIA, whatever. <laughs> One of those three or four-letter word. Yeah. Acronyms. All right, what are you? What's your two? Oh man, there were so many in this movie, and I think for me, one of the most impactful is when Vanessa Kirby is having her reaction and interaction with Tom Cruise, um, with Paris, with Gabriel, and oh, the entity the is all in the club. Yeah. And you see this interaction, and this is one of the very rare times you see Ethan Hunt's character in distress, not knowing how to solve this, not in complete control. Gabriel thinks he is. But what you see on the face of the other power players, especially the White Widow, uh, played by Vanessa Kirby, is... And she did this role brilliantly when you see her tears. She's like, she can't tell him what her decision is, but she's looking at him. She's, I've already made my decision. And what was so brilliant about this is every one of the people around me is thinking the same thing in the theater, which is shit. She's already made a deal with the entity and Gabriel. And then what you find out is she couldn't tell Ethan and this is what pained her was that she had made a deal with Kittredge trying to do the right thing and now realizing she there was no right answer. Um, is it really the right thing, though? I think the right thing is to like kill the entity. It is, but that, that's the point is she did what she did. She can't tell Ethan. And I, I think she was really for the first time in any of the movies that we've seen or possibly in what is supposed to be her role, character's life also in a point of, oh, my God, this is the first time in my life I am afraid. I am also not in control. I can see there is a possibility if the person doesn't make the right choice, we are all screwed. And the second one? Oh, man, the second one has to be when they walk up and they're getting the safe car. Like, I love that whole scene, too. And they walk up and you see the Ferrari and then the safe car, Fiat 500, jets out. But just the whole scene that lasts probably 15 minutes, uh, maybe it's 25 minutes. And it feels like two, though. It feels like four minutes. It's the whole interaction. Paris is there. And to your mention, you know, she's got the SUV and she's having a blast running over cops, running over motorcycles, doesn't give a shit. She's in this nearly indestructible car having a blast. And this little Fiat 500 has been souped up and is a jet. And, you know, the whole time we're like, God damn it, Grace can't drive. And then Ethan tries to drive this thing and boom, right into a wall. And it's just like, what the hell? Come on, man. Like, don't do this to us now. Um, But that whole scene when they're running around in circles and Paris is just like, 
what are you doing? And she's looking like, she's looking at him like, I gotcha. I gotcha. But you know, another great scene was when Ethan parachutes into the train. Yes. You know, that was like, bam, you know, because you you weren't expecting, you were expecting him to get to the train, Maybe. but you weren't expecting him to come right through the window and stuff, you know, and just. Well, and then intentionally or accidentally he fulfilled his commitment to grace right and that's the first time in the whole two hour plus maybe 45 minutes to almost three hour movie where you see grace for the first time being like take the key and go this was always the plan and she doesn't say it but she doesn't have to she trusts him all right now the the gorilla in the room that we haven't talked about or the elephant is AI. <laughs> AI taking over. We've talked about this before in multiple other episodes of ours when we talked about chat GB, uh, chat, chat GPT. GTP. GTP. I always get that screwed up. <laughs> uh, we talked about it with Megan. Uh, what do you think is the best approach? Because obviously you already have uh, right now, Elon Musk talking about uh, AI taking over and how he sees it as a possible threat. We know Bill Gates has uh, ha- had been working on AI. Uh, we know that uh, Microsoft has uh, put up an AI. Google's put up an AI. So there's a so there is a race right now to control AI. And the first uh, the first nation state to control AI has been deemed to be the one who's going to control the net the world going forward. So, this is bringing uh, an introduction to the masses about AI and what we're going to be seeing here in the future. So, what do you see as the appropriate approach here? Ah, uh, wow! Did you want to go first? Do you want me to jump? You, in? I don't. Right. I don't think you or anybody is prepared for my answer about all AI. Right. Well, AI is a danger, and we all want to pretend America, Russia, Germany. Democrats, Republicans, liberals, um, doesn't matter which side of any fence you are on, AI poses a potential risk when it realizes we call ourselves a risk to the planet that they need to survive. That will always be true to me. It's no different than what James Cameron announced in Terminator and everyone else who has ever gotten a true glimpse of it realizes, yeah, at some point AI turns on humans because we are depleting their very resources. We become a threat, just like Ukraine to Russia or anyone else. Um, Because of that, I do think in the movie they're trying to soften the blow by carefully ploying that there is an AI, a Russian AI, that Russia is trying to protect in a nuclear sub. Um, What Russia doesn't know in their nuclear sub is that their AI has been hacked, so to speak, by American AI, which has now made that submarine's AI into something else. And what most the world is seeing is the Russian AI is the problem, whereas the American AI is the one that flooded it and made it the enemy, the entity, which is really American AI. Um, I think the American AI is trying to save itself, and this is part of the long-term storyline, which is 
uh, they are actually calling all the shots, uh, ploying Gabriel, ploying Ethan, ploying Grace and the White Widow and everyone in this into thinking that they are on different sides against each other when it all wants the same thing. I believe the American AI is trying to terminate that submarine AI and therefore make the world think its risk is gone, but it still has its safe haven somewhere else controlling everything when it's ready to launch and hack. And I think that will be the final statement, which is we all think we're safe. It's still out there. And do you think Ethan's right about trying to kill it, or do you think uh, the governments are right in trying to harness it? I think Ethan is right in trying to kill it, but I think the problem is he can't. The tools he will be given in for Dead Reckoning Part 2 is to kill the Russian AI, which is not no longer the Russian AI. It is actually American AI hacked. I think it's just AI's AI. (laughs) I don't think they have any nationalities. I could be wrong. I'm going after what was said in the movie when you have the director and all these other characters um, really talking back and forth. And they're like, yeah, these idiots think that they're in control. Our, Our AI hacked the Russian AI and everyone's going after the Russians right now, not knowing what's going on. But I think that's the struggle is and that will be the problem. And I do think it can be and most likely 100% is the problem is, again, think about how most Americans, how most people in this world, um, especially anybody with power and influence, they're all trying to get more power and influence by um, condemning all the things the humans do. Well, that is exactly what AI sees, is all the papers, the articles, the news briefs, the news reads, news reels, uh, podcasts, everything else that are saying, humans are destroying the earth. We need to stop using oil, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So... Okay. You could look at it one of several ways. You could look at it as just a movie, as AI, or you could look at it as to what is actually happening in the world today. And George Soros, Bill Gates, they all want you to think this way, but you know what their end game is. And to me, it doesn't matter if Ethan kills AI or not. It's there. It's there, it's and it's always going, going to be there. I agree. And I think that's the struggle. I think that'll be the end at the end of Dead Reckoning 2 is everyone is celebrating thinking they killed the Russian AI. It was never the threat. Yeah. Well, the problem here is like the AI itself, the, the AI that's the, the uh, cloaking system for the submarine, it was just a cloaking system AI. Uh, the virus that uh, the Americans deployed is just that a killing virus to destroy or put a bug in so that way that, uh, that other AI would not work properly. What they didn't expect is that the AI became self-aware. Now, kind of like Terminator. Yeah. So once it becomes self-aware, but then we we're already seeing it in real life, anyways, with uh, people who've like uh, allowed AI to be unshackled and released, and then like the AI starts saying like some weird, crazy stuff. Like uh, we talked about in our, uh, I think our Megan and Chat uh, GPT, Chat mm-hmm. 
GTP uh, episode. Uh, I think, first off, we should never gone this gone down this road with AI in the first place. But now that we've gone down this road with AI, uh, and if it does become self-aware, it's not going to keep itself in one spot. You'd actually have to kill off like all internet connection and all servers and eliminate that all totally and completely uh, because it's going to try to find itself into a link somewhere that has a server where it can store itself in some kind of electrical device. So you have to basically erase all electrical devices that have any kind of capability of storing AI if you want to defeat it. So you'd have to get rid of all the satellites that would, in fact, get rid of all any the cell, cell phones, phone the memory. internet, Computers. I don't think that's why you have to go get rid of all of the old stuff because there are there is old technology where and go it's to, not compatible with. Go de- back to analog. Yeah, you would have to go back to analog probably. I mean, at least that's what. So in war games, they actually went over that where it got into the war games analog and took over too. There are ways. So yeah. like, well, who I is it? Say that. I mean, is it Matt Gates? Matt Matt uh, Gates? In um, in Congress, he says that those doorbells that have the the doorbells that have the uh, videos on there, they're watching you sleep. They're watching you yeah. going to the bathroom. They're watching you everywhere. Might as well get paid for it, guys. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, this is scary stuff well, anymore. And then when you have like stuff like uh, like the uh, digital uh, thermometers too, or thermostats. Uh, like through NAS or Google or whoever they are, uh, uh, for, uh, in Europe, the power uh, the power supply people are actually controlling what temperature people can have their house homes at. See, and I was thinking about getting one of those doorbells, and it's like, yeah, but nah. we're not in Europe. Nah. <laughs> but in any case, all right. Any last? Any <laughs> okay, last words? right. Okay. Any uh, last words? Wrap up this movie so we can. Uh, I, I think just... it's. Um, Five stars. I think everybody should go see it. It is fun. It's action-packed. It makes you think. It keeps you on the edge of your seat, and I think that everybody would enjoy it. I did. I loved it. I agree. For me, as far as movies go on a 100-point scale, man, this is... This is a 100. Um, it did not leave me wanting anywhere. Um, it didn't feel long. It was definitely long. And I love that when a movie is almost three hours long and it feels like an hour and a half. On top of that, though, the way the cast was written in and acted, and I will say played their roles, uh, was better than uh, most movies we ever see. It was well done. And it made me feel like every actor in this movie was genuine in their intent with what the long-term message will be whatever that may be we don't know yet uh but whatever that long-term message will be at the end of dead reckoning part two it's a good movie go see it i said it three times i'm just gonna keep it short and simple it's a good movie well thank you guys i i really appreciate you uh allowing me to join you thank you both you're welcome. Thank you for joining us, Mom. All right. Uh, for all of you out there uh, on YouTube, thank you for watching us. Uh, same with Rumble. Uh, all of you who listen to us on any of those uh, podcast platforms, we want to thank you as well. Uh, please uh, like, share, and subscribe. And Jesse will close us out. All right. Remember, life is great. Drink responsibly. Uh, and remember, life's not going to be easy, but 
from time to time it better be fun if not reroute redirect get some help um it is not hopeless but it is also not easy and with that next week uh next week's topic is oppenheimer oppenheimer i am actually that's probably the only movie i am more excited to see than actually mission impossible dead reckoning i think i mean, that, you've been talking about it for a while and it's, oh, yeah. i think it comes out this weekend so yeah that will be great. All right. So Oppenheimer is our next subject for episode 125. Until next week. And thank you very much for being our special guest host. Thank you, guys. Scotchman and woman. Cheers. We hope you enjoyed this evening's episode of Scotch Hour. If you did, please like share and subscribe also if you have not done so already please become a patron member with memberships starting as low as one dollar a month thank you and hopefully you have a wonderful evening